Welcome to the Woot and Why NFL podcast, proudly brought to you by William Hill, where you'll find faster, easier betting on the NFL. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Woot and Why Show. It's the mid-season review podcast of the 2016-2017 season. I am Josh Why, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Josh Woot. How are you feeling at the halfway point, sir? Been an up and down kind of season, if I can put it in a couple of words. But, mate, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm stressed out. I'm taking medication, but uh, we'll get there. Wow. We'll get there. What an answer. Uh, all right. Melbourne Cup yesterday. How did you go? Did you back the winner? Um, I know everyone says this and everyone comes out with no absolute evidence and they go, oh, I picked the winner. I picked the winner. But yesterday was the first time in many, many, many a year that I didn't put a single bet down because I hadn't, you know, I've, I've been very busy. Didn't have any, you know, didn't study any form. And then the girlfriend messages me and says, who's going to win? And I said, I don't know. And then I looked at it for four four seconds and just went, if I had to pick, I'd pick number 17. And that was the bloody winner. And then she goes off, puts money on it and wins. <laughs> and here I am sitting here still on zero dollars. But I don't know. I'm happy for her. She can take me out for dinner or something. Nice. Uh, that happened last year. Uh, the girlfriend backed the 80 to 1 shot and got up. She had no luck this year. Uh, last year I put a like a trifecta boxed, sorry box first four on. I got the trifecta and not the fourth horse. So this year I thought I'd play a little bit safe and I boxed seven horses for the trifecta. And what happens is I get the first four. So it's just <laughs> Murphy's law. So I got like ten percent of the trifecta. It didn't pay much as as much as I thought, but you know I got my money back and then some. So, uh, but you know that was the big sporting event of. You know, in Australia this week, and it even made dead spin. They uh, put some photos up of the, uh, the the race goers at the end of the day, uh, often stumbling around. And did you see that lady saying, "You know, find this person. They've lost three dollars." Yeah. God. Australia. God, God bless her. But uh, that was that was that side of the world. On the other side of the world, you know, week eight. What was your thoughts on week eight? Because we're not going to talk about week eight too much because we we're looking at the first overall sort of half first half of the season in this podcast, but what did you make of week eight? Well, I'm going to focus on the game that I think was the most exciting and it meant the most to me, but the bloody Eagles, mate, they play with my emotions. They pull my heartstrings. They completely mess with me. I was, I was watching at work. I took my break early and the break went probably far too long, but my God, e- <sighs> mate, don't get me started. Eagles, Cowboys won it, won the game in overtime. But Eagles lost the game in regular time. They just they found a way to lose. And if Smallwood didn't fumble it, we'd still have the ball, and it wouldn't have happened. And then, oh my god, yeah, ah. it was a great. It was just for me as a neutral, it was a relief to have a an exciting game in prime time for the first time this season. We haven't had many, I guess, since the season opener, which was Denver and and Carolina. So it's been a long time coming for 
something exciting in prime time. I, I really enjoyed the Green Bay Atlanta game. I thought that was really, really good. And, and Aaron Rodgers being back to Aaron Rodgers, that was his best game since September last year, I think. Uh, that makes the NFC race a, a lot more interesting. And Atlanta showed that they were legit in a really tough stretch that they've had. So for me, that was really exciting. And my Colts were just as disappointing. So I'm really hoping that... Uh, the Green Bay Packers can end the Pagano era this weekend. You reckon that'll be the final straw, though? <laughs> uh, I hope so. I, I really think I hope so. I just, yeah, it's it's been you sad. Me- you mentioned you mentioned that was Rogers' best game, but see, like Rogers' best game usually would be the Packers winning by twenty plus, and then yeah. now it's a loss. So it's, it's it is funny, but I think it was his best game in terms of his performance, and obviously Green Bay they were missing so many starters, so you know the. It doesn't show up on the win-loss record, but they were missing like nine starters or something. But I think Rogers showed a lot and a lot of glimpse into the future, hopefully, for what that offense can be and, and he returned to form. So that's that's a positive, but we'll wait and see how he performs. He's got an easier matchup here against the Colts defense. If he doesn't improve on that, then there's something seriously wrong. No, I, I, uh, I agree. That is correct. Yeah, you beat me in fantasy this week too. What else is new, buddy? I know. Nah, it, it's... Uh... That was rough. I, uh, no OBJ on by. I had Montgomery. Thought I was in for a chance. I lost CJ Anderson at the start of the week. And then Montgomery's ill. So I had to drop someone and bring in Muhammad Sanu, who actually ended up doing all right. But then the rest of my team just didn't show up. It was interesting, though. So, you know, you had... Wait, who's your other running back besides CJ? I have Christian Michael and CJ Anderson. So I had to start Mike Gillisley this week. That's right. But then James White scored, what, three or four points, which was ridiculous. But then Forte, they finally figure it, you know... Yeah, well, that was offensive uh, option is to give Forte the ball. And I was oh, what a bloody genius move. And I was about to, I was getting actually excited because Woot he started Ryan Fitzpatrick over Drew Brees, and which was another thing that worked in your favor. I know, right. but I was about if if I'd won that matchup somehow with with all the favor pointed towards you, and I somehow pulled off the upset, I was going to come on here and absolutely roast you for that decision uh but luckily you escaped with it it was a, it was a bad decision but luckily Fitzpatrick ended up scoring more than Russell Wilson and they turned it around and the Jets turned it around in the second half but God, Cleveland, that, that Cleveland was, had them worried for a while mate it was frustrating Drew Brees you know Drew Brees he's a must start every week buddy. mate he's a must start every week especially at home I don't know what you're thinking but ended up getting the victory now against the adult man I don't know I don't know there's a you overthought it I think you overthought it I did by the way, he only, he only threw one touchdown, so let's not go overboard. All right, but still, he's Drew Brees. He's a fantasy yeah. god. All right, we'll start with a big trade this week, and it came out of left field. When I woke up and saw that on my alerts, it was quite a shock. The Browns acquired linebacker Jamie Collins from the Patriots for... What? Uh, yeah. <laughs> For a third compensatory uh, third round pick. So Jamie Collins, one of the best linebackers in football, shipped across on the Patriots, it's currently at seven and one to the eight and Browns. Just take a moment silence for Jamie and his family moving from from, you know, Boston a winning franchise to the most losing franchise in the NFL. That's that's tough to go from the best team in the NFL. Sorry, by far and the the best team in the NFL to by far the worst team in the NFL. Um, that's quite a big shock for him, but uh, yeah, the Pats they uh, they solved their c- contract logjam by sending Chandler Jones to the Cardinals during the off season, and now there was talks that Collins wanted 
around, you know, Luke Keekley money, $12 million a year at the end of this season, so they decide to ship him off to Cleveland. I heard reports that he was after Von Miller money. Yeah, I, I don't think that's... I think Rap Sheet... I don't know, I think Rap Sheet reported that, but I f- feel like he's not an outside linebacker. He's an inside linebacker, and I think that the later reports mentioned that it was around that $12 million a year mark, which is around the Keekley level in terms of the position that he plays. Yeah. Um, which well, is still that, a lot. That's the... No, I mean exactly. If that's the case, the pet, the Pats have every right to move him on. I'm I know he's a good player and everything like that, he's but he's a great player. I know he is. I know he is. But there's a lot of great players in the NFL, and I don't know. I don't know. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna judge the Patriots, and then they we also don't know what's going on behind the scenes. He could be a total a total you know douche if you like. Yep. Lack of a better word. But I mean, yeah, he could just be a total pain at the moment in regards to negotiating. And they're like saying, hey, we feel this is fair. And they don't want to get into that, especially because they might be looking, hey, Gronk, you've done everything right by us. We're going to pay you big kind of thing. Who knows? Who knows? I just, it it is a baffling move to me in terms of, like they could have just released him at the end of the season and not re-signed him and still got a compensatory third round pick anyway if they just did it that way. Um, it was clear they weren't going to sign him. You're seven and one at the moment. Your defense hasn't quite. Is that a thousand percent? Well, okay, a hundred percent sure that that is exactly what would happen in that scenario. It probably wouldn't have been as high as what they got because you know a third round pick for Cleveland is definitely going to be you know at the top of the third. Uh, it's essentially like a last minute sort of. It's basically at the bottom of the second like a, round. The end of the second round. Yeah. yeah so it, it's not going to be that high of a pick. You're talking about a, a thirty gap difference in terms of picks, but they definitely would have got a bottom of the third round pick um, if they didn't re-sign him at the end of the year. So it does seem like just crazy when you can consider the amount of plays that he can do. And, you know, he could, he could do it all as a linebacker. I, I just find it, I just find it bizarre because he's a guy that can do everything for them. And I just, I, I'm not, I, I like to give Bill Belichick the benefit of the doubt most of the time, I feel like his track record with a lot of these is is so, so, so good that most people are like, yeah, that's fine. If any other team did it, we'd be throwing them under the bus, and Bill Belichick's earned that, that immunity, but maybe this time he might just be wrong. This might come back to haunt them a little bit. We, uh, in, see, saying, no, in just... saying that, they're so far and above beyond the best team in the NFL, it probably doesn't matter anyway. Maybe Bill, Bill Belichick thinks this whole year is too easy. He's trying to make it harder for himself. Maybe, but I just think he has too, they have too much success. We've spoken about it time and time again, picking up free agents, you know, the rubbish of other teams, the, the players that the other teams don't want anymore, and just being able to turn him into serviceable, above-average players. And they feel like they can get by with that. I mean, if they can get something for this player, more than that they would have got, you know, by releasing him, and, you know, save themselves a ton of money, man, I don't know, he... he we don't know what he's like in the locker room. We don't know any of that, and I, I don't know. I just have too yeah. much, too much faith. I, but I, I find it very, very like I love how weird this scenario is now. Like a player of his personality going to Cleveland. I just find that so amazing. <laughs> it's just so interesting. It, it it's really weird. Like I feel like it's a, you know, Belichick is an arrogant guy, and he has every right to be because he's one of the most he's the the best coach ever in NFL history. But I feel like it's just like him sending a message to his entire locker room is you play better and ask for less money, or I'll just send you to wherever the hell I want. And in this case, Cleveland, which may as well just be at the in the middle of the snow in like the mountains of Russia. Like 
like he doesn't care. Like it's his way or the highway. And this is a message to the rest of his team. And look, it might pay off and and help them in the long run because it might might actually boost their team and and put the the rest of their linebackers on notice because they haven't been playing quite well. Dante Hightower's been good, but he hasn't quite been playing to his potential. And they they do like this Alandon Roberts guy, the six round draft pick that they picked up. So it'd be interesting to see how it all pans out. I just I, I have an issue with like people now coming out and just slamming Jamie Collins and trying to justify the trade. Like people that are, that love Jamie Collins and think it like New England people are like Michael Lombardi is now saying that there's character issues, but there's never been murmurs of that ever uh, for like three years. And that was part of the reason they drafted him is that when he played in Southern Mississippi, when they were 0 and 12, he still had great locker room potential and tried on every single snap. I just find it funny that now everyone wants to throw him under the bus. I feel like that's a bit harsh on, on Jamie Collins. Yeah. but You, you watch just, Give it a couple of weeks, maybe there's something will come out. Something mm. will come out. It always does. Yeah, and I, I, I find it now it's going to be interesting because he could still be very, very good in Cleveland, but because you're not part of this winning franchise, it could seem like the right move, even though he might still be as effective or if not better in a new system. But it is tough to play as efficiently anywhere else. That's why we see players struggle outside of New England because in New England you play in a scheme and a system that puts you in the best spot to thrive and, and use your abilities to the best. We've seen that with players like Matt Castle and, and Darrell Revis and things like that. Yep. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Moving on, Titans wide receiver Andre Johnson has retired after 14 seasons in the NFL. Forever be known as a Texan, let's be honest, even though he did play a season with the Colts and sort of half a season with the with the Titans, but he was... He was forever a Houston Texan. He was drafted with the third overall pick in 2003, and he caught 1,012 catches for 13,597 yards, 64 touchdowns in 12 seasons. He finishes at ninth, finishes career ninth in receptions, tenth in receiving yards, and 40th in touchdowns. Josh, is he headed to the Hall of Fame? Uh, borderline. I think he is. I don't think he'll be a you first. Reckon? I don't think he'll be a first ballot or anything like that. I mean, Terrell Owens isn't even a first ballot. So, but I, I think Andre Johnson will. Uh, he was so good at during the, his, the height of his career for the Texans. He was amazing. He, fe- I feared him every time we played him, even though that whoever their quarterback was. Yeah, I mean, he had such. I don't know, just safe hands, just ridiculously safe hands. Yeah, he never really had a season with like double digit touchdowns, which was always interesting. He always seemed to finish on nine. It was like he couldn't get over that hump. And then when he joined the Colts, everyone thought this was a year with Andrew Luck. And then he just, his last sort of year and a half, I, I guess kind of changed some opinions on him. It was like watching Reggie Wayne there at the end. You, you sort of, you forget what they were like because you see them struggle a little bit with speed and route running and whatnot. Yeah. Speaking, it was the same. Speaking of uh, retired players, Percy Harvin unretired. And the Bills signed into a one-year, $5 million contract. Harvin will get around $1 million for eight games for the deal, and uh, the rest is sort of in bonuses and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, Percy Harvin is back in Buffalo. That was that was a real – that was a surprise this morning. It was. Has, has anything been mentioned of what shape he's in? No idea whatsoever. I know Rex Ryan came out with a cliche that he wants lightning in a bottle or nothing from Percy Harvin. So – it's a boom or bust. One, yeah, great, great line. It's a boom or bust signing. Um, I love that he's expecting lightning in a bottle for a guy that's been retired since April. Uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you know, what do you expect from a guy that's been sitting on his couch since April? I'm sure. I'm sure he's still 
lightning in a bottle, if you like to use that term. But I mean, I don't know. Let's let's just wait. We'll see. I think I think he'll be. And I don't know. I'm, I don't know what kind of factor it'll be. I'm not sure if they're just going to try to force feed him the ball, or it's going to be, you know, he's going to be a legitimate weapon, or he's just going to be nothing. I, we just don't know. We don't know what shape he's in. We've got no idea. All we can say though is that they need something. They need something. So yeah, I tw- without Sammy Watkins, they just need anything. Yeah, I tweeted this morning that there isn't much difference from being retired, um, you know, t- compared with being a part of the Bills passing attack. So maybe the uh, activity levels won't be that much different for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. All right. Maybe. <laughs> Moving on, the Jaguars fired offensive coordinator Greg Olson. Quarterbacks coach Nathaniel Hackett is expected to take over as coordinator. Uh, the, this firing seemed inevitable with Blake Bortles getting worse every single week. Not only did uh, the running game sort of been affected by the lack of Blake Bortles, so the whole offensive scheme has just been affected because Bortles just cannot cannot seem to get his throwing motion intact at all. So obviously the Jags, I don't know. They they saw I guess the Bills fire their offensive quarter. That's what they I was going to say. Turned... I like it. Who who knows? Maybe maybe this is the way things go now. <laughs> they fire they fire the offensive coordinator, then they fire the head coach. Yeah. So, so I don't know. It's interesting. Olsen did abandon the running game far too early last week, and it 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 wasn't the best plan from him. But I guess if but this has been the same quarterback coach that's been working with Bortles all year, and Bortles is the issue, so I'm not sure if promoting the quarterback coach is the way to go. I would have gone in a different direction, but I'm not sure. I, what a Jags move. It is such a, a, such a Jaguars move. <laughs> I feel like they're going to be mentioned a little bit later on in our segment, but we'll wait and see if uh, if this... Uh, when you're copying Rex Ryan and the Bills, you, you're treading, you're going down a dangerous path. Definitely, definitely. Uh, last little bit, uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell spoke to Cam Newton on Tuesday about the quarterback's concern regarding the lack of late-hit penalties. This development comes two days after Newton expressed concerns over his safety after the Panthers' quarterback sustained a low hit from Clay Campbell during their win against the Cardinals. Campbell was not penalised on the hit, so that hit was said to be by the NFL that they should have thrown the flag, but Newton said it's really taken the fun out of the game for me um, because at times I don't feel safe and enough is enough. So he he's said that he's not getting hits that other quarterbacks probably would have otherwise have gotten because of his size and because he's such a huge man. Do, do you agree with that? Um, partially, yes. But at the same time, I hate this whole thing. I really I really hate this whole scenario. I Now it's going to be over-scrutinized and there's just going to be... Mm you know, a spotlight on it all the time, and then all other quarterbacks are going to start complaining. Yeah, <laughs> and then, I, I feel know. like Cam is right, and I 100% agree with him, and I, I couldn't agree more with him, but I feel like it shouldn't have been on Cam to say it, because now Cam's going to be the one that gets scrutinized and called a crybaby and a whinger and all that, but I think he was right. I feel like you know what? a, a team think, official could have said that instead of Cam. I don't think that's going to be the case so much with Cam this time. I think people do understand that you know, mm. it does look. He has been getting hit. Just, was it the green? Was it the Green Bay game? The, the Denver game, like the opening Den- season. He, he took he took like yeah. four helmet hits. That was just that ridiculous. was bad. That was really bad. And I mean, the Campbell the Campbell one. What should it? There should oh, have absolutely. been a flag for that as well. But it, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know. So it's 
When, when players uh, like Cam, who you are used to seeing bump off big hits, not like while they're running and you know fending players off, where other quarterbacks you know will just fall over at the, you know at the side of a defensive end, they like it's such a it's such a weird thing to like throw a flag for such a tough guy. But yep. I mean that can't be it can't be that it's way. It's got to be the just, same for everybody. I don't know. And I this know. this happened in the NBA with Shaq when he just. Because he was so big, he just they just weren't calling these fouls, and it it's not fair. And uh, it's already started. The scrutiny on Cam is Marcus Gilbert, I think it was from the Steelers, came out and said that Cam Newton needs to man up, and that, you know Big Ben cops more hits than anybody, and he doesn't complain, and Big Ben's tough, and rah, 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 and just all this sort of stuff. But I think Cam is concerned about his health and safety, and he mentions that. And you know, if you've got one of your stars in the league not feeling safe in the league, then then I think he has the right to speak up about it because it's it's a concern. But then again, Cam saying that he doesn't feel safe. You play one of the most violent sports in the world. Like what? Do you, like you literally are playing inside a, a coliseum every week. Yeah, maybe maybe you should take a note out of uh, Matt Stafford's playbook and just complain no matter what happens because that guy is just a flat out winger. <laughs> There you go. It's working though. He's played. He's, he's playing well. God. There we go. There's maybe the, that's why. Maybe yeah, that's why. There's the blurb oh. for the uh, show that I'm going to tweet out. Josh Wood, Matt Stafford's just a blatant whinger. <laughs> and he hates babies oh, and kittens and rainbows. God. Hey, or Stafford. Stafford. <laughs> Matt Stafford <laughs> hates everything with joy. All right, uh, we'll take a quick Steals break. your Halloween candy. <laughs> Matthew <laughs> Stafford, ate your Halloween candy. <laughs> Next on, Jimmy Kimmel. Have you watched this this year's one yet? No, uh, has it come out? I think so. I've got to, uh, we'll, we'll YouTube I, it after the show. I, God, I love that segment. It doesn't really come out that quickly. Really? I don't think it comes out that oh, fast. I thought they do it on, yeah, because they need to wait till Halloween's over, right? Yeah. Hey, Woot, have you heard of moneyball.com.au? Have I heard of moneyball.com.au, Australia's first daily fantasy site down under? You've heard of daily fantasy sports in the States. Now, Moneyball has brought it to our shores. With daily NFL contests, it's like a new season every day. If you don't win, don't worry, there is always tomorrow. Moneyball.com.au All right, it's time for our mid-season review at the halfway point of the 2016-2017 NFL season. We've got a whole list of topics here and and awards to hand out, and uh, we'll be trying to be short, sharp, and sweet with a lot of this, so we're not going to rattle off all the stats and and whatnot, but uh, we may get into a little bit of a a to-and-fro on some of these, but uh, we'll wait and see, and, and we'll see how some of our predictions end up at the end of the year. We'll start with the Most Valuable Player Award. Josh, who have you got? Um, who do I have for MVP? Well, I, you know, I have the same as you, but I'm going to go something different. I'm going to go and match it up with my offensive player of the year as well. So I'm hitting two straight out of the, straight out of the gates. Sorry, I'm using Melbourne Cup terms. Um, (laughs) yeah, I'm going with Zeke Elliott. Um, I'll let you talk about your, your player that we both think is the MVP, but yeah, Zeke's on Zeke's on pace to beat the the rookie rushing record, and I mean there was all there was always the hope and the upside that he could do it, but uh, you know everyone had their reservations. But the guy, the guy looks the goods, doesn't he? He, he? he just he does look he does, he does look amazing. I I feel like he does need to be in the conversation behind your Matt Ryan's and your Tom Brady's and whatnot. I think he definitely, despite him being a rookie, like I don't think that cares. I don't think him being a rookie should 
influence any voters whatsoever or increase no. voters. But it will. It, it will. It's, it will. It is, it, and that's part of it. It definitely will, and because he's a running back, it all will. And, like, that's the only reason I'm saying it here. If I had to put my money on someone, of course I'd put it on the quarterback. It's, yeah. the smart, oh, it's, it's a smart option, but... It always is. But He's I, doing everything he can. So, but, saying that, saying that, I do feel if you had a running back, say, I don't know. I'm trying to think of another running back that's solid, but, you know, not amazing. I don't know. I, I feel that, you know, even b- behind this li- line, someone like um, Isaiah Crowell would have an astonishing season. This line is just so insane. Yeah, unfortunately, an offensive line cannot win the Most Valuable Player Award. That, I think That's they're true. definitely the Most Valuable Unit. I think that would be a cool award, like if you can give it to like a D-line or an O-line. or a, God, we should invent that. Or a, like oh. a, you know, the LOB a few years ago, they would have won it. You know, and Denver's <laughs> defensive line last year probably would have won it because they were just astonishing. Um, I think definitely the Dallas offensive line is the Most Valuable Unit in football right now. But I feel like... Running backs, like bell cow running backs are so scarce as well, and Zeke runs the ball so violently, and we'll, we'll mention him again later on. But, yeah, as I mentioned, m- mine is Matt Ryan, and you agree with me generally. Uh, he's had 2,636 yards, 19 touchdowns. I think he's been absolutely stellar this year. Um, we haven't mentioned Tom Brady, who's definitely in the running despite missing the first four games of the season, and he's actually the uh, favorite to win the award with the bookmakers in Vegas. So we'll wait and see. If he... If he... If he continues on this pace, Brady should win it. He he should win it. I, the thing for me is they went three and one without him. So the word value in there is part of that. He's probably the best player. That's fine. That that makes that's easy. But in terms of value, I don't think he's as valuable to his team as Matt Ryan is, or even Zeke Elliott for that matter, because of that offensive line. You, you know, Alfred Morris could still be tearing it up for all we know, but um, not as effectively as Zeke, obviously, but. Yeah, I just think Matt Ryan is just far more valuable to the Falcons than, than Brady is to the Patriots. I know that sounds blasphemous, but, uh, you know, we saw it on the field the first four weeks. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo was, was really, really good. I really wish he played all four games because I think they'd probably be undefeated right now. Yeah, possibly. Yep. All right, uh, moving on, Offensive Player of the Year. You already mentioned Zeke is your winner. I'm going to go with A.J. Green. I, th- I feel like A.J. Green's probably been the best wide receiver this year. It sounds crazy because Julio Jones is having... A really good season, but Antonio Brown's having a, a little bit of a quieter season with the injuries to Big Ben and the emergence of Semi Coates and, and things like that. But AJ Green leads the league in receiving 896 yards at the moment and just been killing it. He destroyed Josh Norman last week. Uh, I would destroyed's a bit harsh on Josh Norman, but he did have destroyed a destroyed him. Yeah. <laughs> but he has beaten every corner he plays. He's just been, he's just been absolutely stellar and I feel like he doesn't get enough credit or the attention he deserves because he's not overly flashy like Antonio Brown or or Julio Jones and he plays with Andy Dalton in Cincinnati so I feel like he's overlooked but I feel like he's been the best wide receiver in football this year. Yeah I mean he's fast, he makes big plays he's he's a big unit he makes crucial plays so he, he catches the ball all over the field if it's in the slot, if it's on the side if it's deep, if it's in the end zone whatever, the guy does it all but Exactly, and the teams the teams know they're going to him because of the because they lost Marvin Jones and Mohamed Sanu but they still can't stop him Exactly, and the whole thing about him like, will he be able to you know carry the workload and stuff like that, of course he can the guy's just a stud the guy, he's, yeah. there's just no you know, there's no worries 
No. There's no worries. Maybe maybe Osweiler should take a note out of what um, Dalton does and throw it to AJ Green. Maybe he should throw it to Hopkins a little bit more. Yeah, exactly. Just no fear. Just throw it. At, trust your guy to come down with the ball. Uh, you know, nine times out of ten, he's going to get the best of his corner and uh, and make the play. Uh, moving on, defensive player of the year. I'm going to lock in Von Miller at this point. Aaron Donald definitely up there, but I, I like Von Miller. I feel like an edge rusher is inherently more valuable than an inside pass rusher, despite how dominant Donald is, but I think Von Miller is a bit more flashier and will get those votes. Uh, I think he's been uh, he's been amazing and just he's single-handedly won Denver games uh, late in games in, in the fourth quarter on crucial drives, and I think he's the defensive player of the year at this point. Give me a roughie, and I'm going Lorenzo Alexander. Now, I know you hate it. You hate you hate the Bills. You were just telling me off air how much you hate the Bills, and you wish they'd play. And the city of Buffalo burn in a giant fire. Please. <laughs> but true, true story. I do like that the 33 year old guy. Is he still? Is he still the sack leader? Uh, I'll have a look for you now, but I, I think he's definitely in the top two or three. Let me bring it up. Uh, but a 33 year old breakout season is is unbelievable. <laughs> the, 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 he deserves so much credit. Like this he, is just it's, it's unheard of. I mean, it has happened in the past, but it's amazing. Like, it's just incredible. The guy's been on so many different teams. He's been on six different teams, and now he's just having the season of his life. Like, it's just, it's great. And, you know, if on, I really believe if Von Miller wasn't in the picture, Alexander would just be the candidate at the moment. I know that there are other players that are just as effective, but I think the whole storyline would grab the voters. Yep. He is the sack leader by half a sack at this point with nine sacks so far um, in the NFL. Uh, shout out to Cliff Averill. He's he's on seven and a half sacks, quietly just killing it in uh, in Seattle, I just think. Well, he's just doing what he's supposed of, to Because of, you know, Michael Bennett and whatnot, and he's a flashy name and an exuberant guy. People forget about Cliff, but uh, he's been he's been very, very good. What an awesome name. Yep. Cliff. <laughs> All right, moving on to Offensive Rookie of the Year. Despite despite you giving Zeke your uh, MVP and Offensive Player of the Year, you have not gone with Zeke for Offensive Rookie of the Year, one of the truly best players. Because we tried to change it up and give ourselves the best chance to Jay win. Golden, um, I'll let you go with your my uh, boy. We've already, laid, um, we've already laid it out on the table with Zeke. Uh, I just think he, yeah. if he breaks the rookie rushing record, it's set in stone. Gurley won it last year without doing that. And missing games, and Zeke's playing better than Todd Gurley. That's is that? Yeah, I think that's fair. No, it's not unfair. The guy's the best rushing player in the league at the moment. Yeah. That was a horrible sentence. He's, yeah. the, he's the best running back in the yeah. league. Yeah, best pure running running runner of the football in the league. Because you know David Johnson and Le'Veon are far more effective in the passing game. But I think in terms of just pure rushing, Zeke is the man. Yeah, um, but if heaven forbid something happens to Zeke, I think Dak. Prescott just steps right in and wow, going you know, with the other the rookie quarterback in your division. I well, you'd be backing your boy Wentz for sure. I do. I think Wentz has played better, and I think Wentz, you know, will end up being better. But saying that, I think Huge. Dak has stepped into very, very, very difficult circumstances and big shoes to fill. It's not like Wentz came in and went, "Oh God, you got big shoes to fill with Sam Bradford." No, no one said that whatsoever. They just they were just wondering how he'd play. Where <laughs> you were like, "Can Dak put the Cowboys in a good position for when Romo gets back?" And now the whole now that's just the NFL. That's what the whole NFL is talking about. No one's talking about anything else besides the Collins trade and whether Dak 
is going to replace Romo. It's my it is. It's crazy. Uh, you're not concerned. Don't you just love it. It's... Said no one ever. <laughs> uh, and you concerned with Carson Wentz being Alex Smith-like because he had like 40 passes last week and only 200 yards. I feel like he's just dinking his dunking his way. No, no. And he and this is why, right? So the guy made he had nine incompletions. Six of them were dropped, right? So that's only three passes that were just off target or bad throw or threw it out of bounds, right? So the guy's just like you can you can tell when he's playing that he's just lost complete trust in the wide receivers down the field and stuff like that. It's just just it just has. There's no momentum growing because I mean even in that Cowboys game they started to get a roll and I thought hey we're looking good here and then just bam a drop like open open so open just catch the bloody ball. I don't know what I don't know. It's, it's killing me. So you it's think, killing me. Why? So you think if he had more effective deep threats oh, uh, I, and reliable out, hill if they went out and traded for Tory Smith or Alshon Jeffrey, like the rumours were, it, especially if they got Alshon Jeffrey. Of course, the guy's, a, the guy's a monster. That's exactly the kind of player they need to throw mm. it deep to. You can't exactly trust Doriel Green back in yet. Yeah. You I, know, he might evolve into a stud, but at the moment, you can't trust any of them. Yeah. And, I mean, Jordan Matthews is a big unit, but he's not that kind of player. He's the he's the Larry Fitzgerald kind of player who doesn't stretch the field. Like, he's, he's Larry Fitzgerald now. Yeah, okay, I think that's fair. Uh, yeah. I just, I just, yeah, I just worry that he's just going to be an Alex Smith like because of that Doug Pedersen offense, and I, I worry because he does have a pretty good arm, and I, I've seen him unleash it. You know, when you watch his pro day and things like that, I just you look at the you look at it and the yards per attempt, it is concerning. Uh, look, it's, it's effective. Like, I think it'll it's fine. Like a lot of offenses do it. Um, you know, if you take out passes to Gronk, Tom Brady's most of his passes are short. Dinking, dunking to Edelman and James White. So, and then Gronk just when he decides when they activate the giant mechanical. Hey man, you've got a huge playmaking stud wide receiver in Chris Hogan there. <laughs> that guy is flat out still balling. He's so killing don't it. you worry. He's killing it. But, <laughs> but when they when they activate, I'm still pat myself on the back for that. You've done true. very very well. When uh, but when they decide to activate the giant mechanical polar bear. Uh, in Rob Gronkowski, it just changes that whole game. One day, he's going to have a malfunction on the field and steam will bellow out of the great beast and it'll be a national scandal uh, for some sort of cheating because you can't have an android playing in the NFL, right? Oh, God, Josh. The guy's a freak. I don't even think he's human. It's ridiculous. All right, uh, all right. moving on. Defensive Rookie of the Year, I think Joey Bosa, the minute he stu- stood on the field, he pretty much had won that award. He's been He's been amazing, but... There's been some really good rookies. You know, Deion Jones has looked really good. Jalen Ramsey for a defensive back. That's always a hard position to transition to into the NFL. Um, and same with the Jaguars. Yannick Nagogwe, the, the pass rush has been very, very good as well. So there's been a lot of players, but none of the, the game-wrecking level that Joey Bosa is. He's just been phenomenal. He's The quarterback hits are through the roof and, and the sacks, and he is going to be a player for them for the future. He still will be, and... I, but I, you know what? I also feel how do you say it in Gogway? Yep. He the fact that he has just like pretty much benched Fowler. Yep. It's just amazing. Yep. I, I feel so sorry for Fowler. That was just the worst, worst luck he could have. Uh yeah, it is, and it sucks. I remember Brad Craddock being on the show here and mentioned Yannick Nagogway as a guy to keep an eye on in the draft process, and he was kind of a really under the radar guy. But after Brad mentioned it. To us, we started watching him, and yeah, he he was Brad was on the money about Nagogwe, uh, one of the best names in the NFL to say too, especially when you know you can say it correctly. 
We're probably saying it so wrong. We are, probably, but it sounds so right when we probably say just it. Probably just murdering it. It sounds so right. Uh, all right, who's your uh, coach of the year so far? God, there's a lot of love going to other uh, members of the NFC East from an NFC East team Yeah, I feel like, fan. I feel like I'm talking to Laurie Horish or RJ Ochoa today, not not Josh Wooden. Oh, God, no, they're, looking up, they're trying to look for naked photos of them. <laughs> nah. I'm, uh, I'm Shots fired. going with Jason Garrett. I'm going with Jason Garrett. Um, yeah, as much credit goes to Zeke and Jack, there was some serious pressure on to keep this team competitive, especially with the concerns around the, the whole defensive end situation with all the players being out and the, you know, the defensive backs who haven't lived up to their expectations whatsoever in the first, you know, three to four years of their careers. And then now the defensive backs look good. The defensive ends have, you know, stood up pretty well in the absence of, you know, their um, big, you know, big name losses that they've got. And then also, of course, having Dak step in and being able to replace, you know, a cult figure like Romo. It's just, he's done a good job. He's done a good job. And especially for a, a guy that you look at and you just think he, even though he's doing everything right, you look at him on the sideline and you just, feel worried. You just feel like he's out of his yeah. head. It just uh, it looks like he doesn't know what he's doing and he's like, holy crap, someone help me yeah. when everything's going fine. Exactly. Like he looks concerned and worried and has no idea what he but he's actually the exact opposite. I thought I think he's been very calm and, and very consistent throughout this whole thing. Um and he's handled the whole thing correctly. I just yeah, he's been he's been great. Yeah. Uh, um kinda kinda similar to uh, Tom Coughlin. Even when the Giants were winning, his face would be red and he'd have his hands on his hips and he'd just be staring at the ref. Who's got a redder face, Tom Coughlin or Jim Ursay? I think we should put put that one to a poll, see how we go. Uh, Mine's uh, Blackjack Del Rio, just the amount of games, like they've been, the Raiders have been a a very pleasant surprise this year and they've been fun to watch on the field and they've been involved in all these shootouts and close games and they could very, very easily be a 3-4 and team rather than a 5-2 and team at this point in the season and look, a part of that is, is luck and a part of that is just the nature of all these close games, but I feel like the reason that they are five and two and not three and four is because of Jack Del Rio's decisions and Cajones in some big spots to, to go for it on fourth down, to go for a two point conversion and, you know, be an aggressive coach and be an aggressive play caller. And it sounds crazy, but coaching to win the game. And we've seen a lot of, we've seen two draws in two weeks and, you know, uh, Jay Gruden didn't do what Jack Del Rio did and, and managed to, to pull away with, with what has been, you know, a tie, a costly tie for, for Gruden, but Jack Del Rio decides to go, to go for it and, and it pays off and they're now a team in, in the thick of it for a division title and a playoff spot. Yeah. Who, who knew going, you know, trying to win wins games? Who knew? Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to really, no. when you said that I wanted to play that Trent Dilfer drop that we had from that one March Badness, but I took it off the board. But anyway, that should be on March Badness now. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm going with um, coach to be fired first. I'm sticking with my guns and going with Gus Bradley. I think where we spoke about it off air, the fact that they're the fact that they're going with their quarterback coach to replace the offensive coordinator they just fired is a very bold strategy. The fact that they, I think, I think this is just, it's a bold uh, strategy. You know, roll the dice. Hopefully, this you know sparks them up, or maybe it was the offensive coordinator's fault. Mm. But 
Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll. It's definitely a, just a wait and see thing because if the next two games are just flat out embarrassing losses and nothing changes, I can see Gus Bradley being shown the jaw, the, the jaw, the door. Did I stutter? Jacksonville. <laughs> Uh, I'm going with Chuck Pagano. Uh, we mentioned him at the top of the show. Mate, and the I... guy's staying and he's going to get an extension. Yeah, I know. Um, Another one. Another one. I just, I, yeah, if he, if we get embarrassed by Green Bay this week and it's a, a high possibility with the way Aaron Rodgers played last week, then I can see Chuck Pagano walking into Jim Ursay's office and getting fired. I could also see him walking into Jim Ursay's office and walking out with a 12-year extension because the guy just can sweet-talk himself out of anything in anything. It's it's impressive. but I love it. I love it. I, want, I wonder if Ursay is just sitting there like... It's like trying to... It's like on Friends when they try to cancel their gym membership and they go there to cancel <laughs> it and then Ross comes home with the membership. It's a similar thing. It's like... He's sitting there, I'm going to fire him, I'm going to fire him, I'm going to fire him, I'm going to fire him. And Pagano walks in, and then he leaves with an extension. Yeah. And Ursay just goes, how, what, how did that? What did this happen? What happened? What happened? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Ursay anyway. would just, just go on a massive bender anyway. Forget it. Forget it ever happened. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, boy. Um, you can tell how much... Faith I've but lost dead, in the Colts. But dead serious, the guy... He's yeah. got to go. Dude, you watch you watch this week. Pagano's going to make the most ballsiest call ever. And oh. they're just going to... Extend him. You watch. Oh, God, I hope that doesn't happen. I really want the Pagano era to end. I will miss the press conferences. I was building a bingo board about the uh, cliches. The amount of times he says chopping wood in a cliche... Uh, you know, cliche in a press conference is ridiculous. Like... Just got to keep grinding, got to keep chopping, got to keep chopping wood. Just, like, what are you saying? He says the most amount of stuff without saying anything at all. It is it is amazing. It's probably his second best talent apart from walking into firing interviews and getting a, an extension. All right, moving but, on. It, 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 just go, 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 go. We've got to get off the game. All right, uh, comeback player of the year. I'm locking in DeMarco Murray. He's been stellar this year, and uh, Zeke's been killing it, but DeMarco Murray's hot on his heels and playing behind a, a very similar offensive line in Tennessee. If it went for that, that uh Cowboys offensive line, this Titans offensive line would be the would be the talk of the town. But I think DeMarco's been st- solid and uh he's proven that, you know, it just wasn't quite a good scheme fit in Philly with Chip Kelly last year and uh in the right system in this in in the way that he's running right now, he's one of the best backs in the league. Yeah, God, I'd love to have him still at Philly. Um yeah. But like no, I agree. The guy he's running with intent. He looks good. He looks like he's enjoying his football. He's not making the mistakes that he was making at Philly. Everything's looking good in Tennessee, especially with the fact that, you know, you can rest Murray and then you just have Derrick Henry step up. Yeah, there's there's teams out there that are, you know who who who's trialing Nile Davis and stuff at the moment? Is well, it the Jets? <laughs> Niall Davis has had, uh, this could be one of the later topics in terms of funniest moment of the season, is Niall Davis has just been flying around. He's been in more airports in the last 48 God, hours. I, I than hope anyone he's getting signing life. bonuses, by the way. <laughs> he gets uh, he gets traded for by the Packers. Two weeks there, gets released, ends up at New York. They sign him, flies in, and then they go, oh, wait, CJ Spiller said yes, see you later, and now he's out. I think he's on his way for another visit somewhere else. <laughs> Now, see, like, just looking at that, just looking at that situation, look at all the teams that are looking for a good running back. And then you've got the Titans just chilling out there, just 
just go, oh, yeah, we've got Murray and Henry. Jealous. Jealous. Yeah. Especially because a few years ago they had Bishop Sankey and they were in the complete opposite. Yeah. And they had Bizarro Sean Green world. and Bishop Sankey. Bishop, and now they've gone well, to Bishop's... Derek Henry and Mark, DeMarco Murray. <laughs> well, in a, in a crazy turn of events, Bishop Sankey is now in Kansas City to fill the gap that Niall Davis once had. So oh, wow. it's, it's a wonderful world out there. Uh, who's your comeback oh. player? My comeback player, um, it's hard to go past DeMarco Murray, but I'm going to go with Jimmy Graham. Jimmy Graham, you know, there was so many question marks whether or not he was actually going to be, you know, the, able to get the form back that he once had ever. He just, there was so many, like he had an injury that is, um, I think, I think ESPN said it was the most difficult injury to come back from. I think it is, it is one of the hardest ones. It's it's taken him two years. Yeah, and it's just so so many players um, that, you know, get this injury. I'm not even going to try to say what it is, but it's just, you know, it just cripples their career. And he's come back and... I don't know what has happened exactly, but he used to be the the guy that it just it just looked like the offense was trying to get him the ball and it was stuttering when it was happening. And now he just looks like he fits perfectly. It's so mm-hmm. weird. Yeah. It's so weird. And he looks they look confident going to him and he looked confident and ready to get the ball. It's it's good. It's good for football. It's good for yeah. you know, for viewing and for him. Yeah, he's a joy to watch as well. Uh, all right, moving on. Who's been the most surprising team for you so far halfway through the season? Uh, definitely the Atlanta Falcons. Once again, I'm apologizing to the uh, Atlanta Falcons who I tipped to pick first yep. in the draft. You apologize to all four of their fans. And the crowd noise. But that's funny, yeah. No, dead serious, though. I mean, they've just been been killing it. Matt Ryan's been playing well and wow, just just wow. I didn't think their defense I felt their defense would be the liability. I did think their offense uh, was gonna be yeah. fine. The I thought the defense was Yeah. The defense isn't the best and they're my most surprising team as well, but they've got a few playmakers in there and a few rookies showing up. Dion Jones and Keanu Neal are making things interesting and, and Adrian Claiborne's playing well as well. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. All right, most surprising player for me, uh, I'll stick with Dallas theme. There's been a lot of Dallas players mentioned, but, you know, they're the talk of the town right now. But Morris Claiborne's been an absolute uh, re- revelation for them. He's 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 come back from a similar in- injury to Jimmy Graham, and he's been really, really good for them this season. He's been a, a surprising player and a joy to watch, uh, and he's been living up sort of to that hype that he had when he got drafted he was seemed to be a letdown and uh, Dallas now wreaking the rewards of their patience in sticking with him because it, it could have very easily gotten rid of him yeah it's it kind of felt the same way Prince of Mukamara was going like how that whole that petered out there was yep. such high expectations for him and then he just got shipped out yep. but um yeah no I like that um I'm going with Lorenzo Alexander again but the fact that the guy's been it's his sixth team He's never been that amazing, and now he's 33, having a breakout year, leading the sack, leading for sacks in the NFL. It's just amazing. It is. It is a bizarre. It's not not bizarre in a bad bad way. It's just it's just crazy when you think about it. You know, at 33 yeah. is when you are at the best in your career. Um, it's it'd be like it'd be like someone like I don't know Trent Richardson leading the NFL. In, Rushing yards. Maybe not that bad. Not that bad. <laughs> Maybe not that big a deal. Yeah, it, it's definitely up there. Uh, who's been the most disappointing player for you this season? Uh, Blake Bags. Crap. No, um, <laughs> Blake Garbage Time. Yeah, he has been bad. He really has. Um, 
don't know. There's so there's so many problems with him at the moment. But uh, yeah, he's there was such high expectations, especially if you drafted him in your fantasy league. He's expecting him to have a big year. Like I know many people did reach and get him. So uh, yeah, no, he's just been a, a major letdown. A major letdown. Yeah, he's mine as well. It just uh, the the regression and the throwing motion, and he's just an absolute liability, and he's holding this team back because they've been okay defensively apart from last week, but. Uh, with all that hype, and, and you feel sorry for Alan Robinson as well because he's just not getting the ball because Bortles is taking too slow to release it and just and the delivery and the throwing motion, it's all it's all falling apart. Um, it's like a car just losing wheels while it's on the road sort of thing. I, I guess that's the easiest way to explain it. I yeah. guess I, I can't quite quantify how bad well, the regression is. It's just awful. I'll, I'll stick with them. And I'll go with my dis- most disappointing team, and that would be the Jacksonville Jaguars because of how bad it is. I mean, I think there was such hype. They they were definitely the hyped team going into the NFL Massively. this season. Um, yeah, I mean, the de- the defense hasn't been bad. The defense has been fine, but it gets to a point with you know a lot of a lot of the teams where you see a defensive unit who's playing so well, and they they just get their team off the field. And then the offense goes out, gets three and out, and they're straight back yeah. on. And it's demoralizing. It is. And then, There's only so much you can do. Yeah, exactly. And then eventually you'll get tired and be grinded away if your offense can't produce anything. And we saw how Denver started red hot. And I mean, I know they're, you know, they're still leading their division and things like that, but you see that with like Paxton Lynch and Trevor Simeon struggles a bit more recently. Yep. The defense is like, in Minnesota, has looked a bit more. You know, penetrable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the same with and the same with Minnesota, exactly. So, yep. I mean, there's only so much you can do. And I mean, if Bortles keeps playing like he is, the course of defense is going to look vulnerable. Yep, because you're on the field constantly, and you're tired, and you just yeah, you're so demoralized, as you said, because you just no matter what you can do, your offense just can't do anything, and it's just tough to keep up that high play. And we did warn people about Jacksonville. We did say it was a bit too. You know, often with these hype teams are a year too early, and I thought that at least sort of maybe go seven and nine. But the way they're playing at the moment, they're they're going to have a top five pick again in the in the NFL draft. So they've actually gone even worse than my low expectations of them um, compared to everyone else. We got so many tweets about them winning the division, like just temper those Mate, expectations. It's, I, it's crazy. I, I had them. No wait. I had them making the playoffs, so yeah. I can't talk. No, a lot of people were like that, though. It's it's easy to be fooled in when they had that off-season that they had. It was an unbelievable off-season. Uh, my most disappointing team is the Arizona Cardinals. And, look, they wouldn't be as disappointing if Chandler Catanzaro made a field goal against New England and made a field goal against Seattle. But just watching them on the field, I don't know what's going on with that team. They just don't look right. Carson Palmer looks a lot slower. His arm's still okay, but it's just seems to be a bit slower and less... Agile in the pocket, and that's affecting them and their offensive. He's line. making bad decisions as well. Yeah, Sorry he's, to yeah no, he no, just, he, he is. No, that's fine. I agree with you. His decision making's not. Um, maybe it is because he's worried about his mobility and agility. He's fretting a little bit. There's so many things with a quarterback that can go wrong, and it just one thing leads to another thing. I feel like Doctor Nick, where he talks about you know such and such connected to the, and then he says my wrist watch. You know that scene in the <laughs> Simpsons. I don't know why that came into my head, but. I just wow. think there's so many things that are connected. Like, if one thing goes wrong, it can just set off a chain of a, events for a quarterback, and I, f- I feel like Carson Palmer isn't quite Carson Palmer at the moment. And, yeah, their offensive line's in, 
in tatters at the moment. Now they've lost Tyrone Matthew and things like that. So they're a team I don't think can make can make the playoffs at all. Um, I think it's it's I know it's halfway point and it's still a bit early, but I, I'm ready to stick the fork in Arizona. It's tough because I like Bruce Arians as a coach, but uh, maybe he needs to. It'll be one of his best coaching jobs ever if he can somehow get them back into the playoffs. Yeah, baby. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, yep. stick a fork in them. Yep. Arizona barbecue. I'm not sticking a fork in our next uh, category and our, our selection here is the exact same. The most never, fun. never until it's a mathematical possibility. We're not baby. sticking a fork in the San Diego Chargers, who are our most fun team to watch. Please put them in primetime games every single week because all of their games you can bank it. Like Philip Rivers will be Goes down. down the wire. Yep. It's, in, it's a shootout. They might be down twenty and they'll come back. Yeah. They might be up 20. If we could say this about the Chargers, you can almost guarantee it every single time that they'll be down seven with five minutes to go and Philip Rivers with the ball in his hand. That's basically Philip Rivers' career the last three years. Yeah, and now there's so now there's all the other storylines with Bosa and yep. you know that kind of thing. So and cool. they've got stacks cool. of young talent, Perryman and Jatavis Brown and their secondary. They're a fun team. Love it. Oh, yep. Yep. Um uh, Moving on, best free agent signing. You want me to go or you to go? I'll go with Marvin Jones. I think he's been amazing. I think he's been really, really good for them, and it's very easy. To, like, remember? Do you remember Calvin Johnson? Like, it's, that was that. Yeah. Yeah, it's I it's think. it's insane that he stepped into that role, and and it's like almost like people aren't quite missing him as much as they thought they would. And uh, he's got 656 yards, four touchdowns. He's fifth in the NFL in receiving yards at the moment, and. He's just been dynamite, and it was—it's quite funny that when people were skeptical about him as a number one wide receiver, he's pretty much made Golden Tate a number two or a number three guy there because Jones has just been so solid, and and uh, the connection with Matt Stafford already is just phenomenal. Yeah, it is amazing, especially because he just—I think—I think even though looking at the Lions and you see what impact he has <clears throat> for Detroit, you see his absence more in Cincinnati. You yeah, just see that's so true. what a gaping hole that, you know, he filled on that offense. I know Mohamed Sanu was there as well, but when you look at it, you just think, my God, <laughs> maybe, maybe they, uh, you know, overestimated what they had yeah. um, like, in Dalton, AJ Green and Eifert. I think there's the support, the supporting cast there was actually far better than they thought. Yeah. But like would Cincinnati be one or two games better off if they had, Marvin Jones right now, probably considering probably. considering Eifert's been out, like it, it wouldn't doesn't it's not that crazy. Yeah, it's not. Um, all right, my player, my best free agent is my boy, Josh Norman. Um, he hasn't been playing lights out, but at the same time, he's he's still a top five corner in the NFL. The yeah. guy is he is the Washington defense essentially. Without without him, I st- I think they'd be getting torched. Yep, and very similar to what you just said about me with Marvin Jones. You look at the the team that he's left, what, the gaping hole that he's left for Carolina, and a lot of their struggles early on this season has been in their secondary and them being torched and picked upon, and notably Julio Jones going for th- 300. That was the exclamation point on, you know, oh, Josh Norman used to play there. That that was it. That was yeah. that was pretty much it. That's all you really needed to sh- to show, like, the, and, the Josh Norman highlight reel is Julio Jones against Carolina without Josh Norman. And you know what? I think I think we were both wrong on both instances. I th- I think we thought the offense... Um, I think, okay, Cincinnati, the whole Hugh Jackson thing plays a part as well. But yep. 
looking at that, I think we thought it was going to be maybe a slight regression, but nowhere near what it is. We yeah. just thought the impact wouldn't be that big. And we also, also thought that the front seven of Carolina were, was the reason that Josh Norman was what he was. But, you know, he's, he's backing it up in Washington. He's, yeah. he's you know, with with the, uh, you know, the budget every year going up, the budget, it's not the cap going up. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, politic time. Um, yeah. By the way, that's a whole. Oh other yeah, story. it's time to What's grab. Going on? It's time to grab this election right in the. <laughs> yeah, God, it's been going on forever. <laughs> oh boy, um, it feels like a television show. We're up to season four. Yeah, what? What's the House of Cards, but yeah. with Donald Trump in it? God, I'd love, I'd love uh, Mr. Underwood to be the president. That'd be cool. Anyway, a guy no, that literally murdered a woman. Him. You wanted the president. <laughs> All right, I take it back. Anyway, moving <laughs> on, but that. you're right about Josh Norman being stellar. Yeah. Uh, I'll say this, Carolina's defense played much better in Week 8, um, and their front seven played a huge role in that, but it's only a Shut band-aid. Shut up, you're ruining my pick. No, it's only a Band-Aid solution. It's not It's not huge. They'd, they'd probably be a much different, much better team with Josh Norman. That's uh, obvious. Yeah, one of those plastic Band-Aids that just falls off as soon Straight as away, the Dora Explorer ones. Um, all right, the worst free agent, we've got the exact same here, Brock Osweiler. He's been terrible. He stinks. Um, there's not much else I want to say. He's just awful, and the price tag, everything about the deal, the fact that they didn't even bring him in for a visit, they signed him off some tape and one meeting that Bill O'Brien had back when he was entering as a rookie. Uh, yeah, that's the whole thing stinks. It's rubbish, and it's paid off, and it's doomed their franchise for at least another year um, and some salary cap problems moving forward. <laughs> All right, you got that LA system? Yeah, go away, yeah, Texas. Well, He's essentially, you know, he's essentially half of Bortles, and we've been saying Bortles is the most disappointing player. So, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I'm all aboard the Titans winning the division. I, I'm pretty much all out on the Colts. I'm, I'm rooting for the Titans. Like, I'm actively Me rooting. too, and I want them It'll to be have so this, fun. So I want them to win at least one playoff game, and Mariota to like, I don't know, break off a hundred yards or something like that. By the way, I just went on five thirty-eight, and Trump legit has a chance to win. That is legitimately terrifying. Like, it was funny for a little bit, the whole thing, but now it's like, oh, no, like I'm no, so scared. No, I'm so scared. <laughs> There's part of me thinks he'll last a month. I finally got a good job and things are going good. Don't, like, why does the world have to end? <laughs> We're never going to get to episode now, 200. It came... <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some ban. We're not even allowed to talk about their country. Um <laughs> But saying that, there was, on the news they were talking about how Hillary, this could be actually good for Hillary, and oh my god, it's just uh, it's, it's, it's one endless. Plot twist after plot. One twist. positive if Trump wins, Ben Simmons probably deported, and the NBL will be massive with Ben Simmons in it. Mate, Patty Mills and Patty Mills in the NBL. Oh, I'm loving it. The NBL just onwards and upwards. <laughs> All right, moving on. Best storyline in the NFL. Yeah, best storyline in the NFL right uh, this season. Uh, for me, it's this quarterback battle in Dallas. I think it's it's a fascinating, fascinating story, it, and I just find it really, really interesting, and I can't wait to see how it unfolds. Um, I'm still in the Tony Romo camp. I just I love Tony Romo so much, and um, Dak's been great. He's been fantastic, but and ex- has ex- has exceeded. Are you looking up photos of him too? No, not naked. Not not. I'm not going down the RJ Ochoa path yet, but uh, I feel like. It's just a fascinating story. I know it's relentless and it's on talkback radio every day in in the States and it's on Colin Cowherd's show every single day about 
you know, him trading Romo to the Jets every single day, or, you know, come up with something a little bit more original, Colin. But, you know, it's, it's a fascinating story. That is my, you know, that's, I'm, I'm done with the whole battle in Dallas. It's, it's doing my head in. Um, it is, it started off as cool, and you're like, oh, what might happen? Oh, no. All right, just, you gotta end it. <laughs> you gotta end Trial it. I don't, proper. To be honest, I don't even care what way it goes. It's gonna be interesting either way. You're gonna say, it's, it's, actually, to be honest, I kinda just want Dak to step in and take over, cause then it'll just kinda, progress and then that'll be it but if Romo comes in and he plays anywhere near worse it'll just go on forever it'll just be well Dak wouldn't have made that mistake or Dak would have won that game mm. or whatever so it's it's oh my god it's never gonna win mate it's never gonna win it's never gonna win <laughs> all right well what's it, your best storyline my best storyline up until two weeks ago would have been how well Minnesota's playing yeah without Teddy Bridgewater Great no, I think it would have been yours too. Yep. But um, now it's despite not having won a game yet, Terrell Pryor is the man in Cleveland. Yes, I know the Indians are in Game Seven of the World Series and they and uh, the Cavs won, and you know, but Terrell Pryor is the Cleveland Browns, the guy from from you know being a quarterback at Oakland, being kicked out. Then becoming, trying to become a wide receiver, trying out multiple different teams, then ending up at the Cleveland Browns, mm-hmm. then being pretty much their number one wide receiver in Cleveland. It's amazing. And now they come out and say, everyone's tradable except Terrell Bryant. Yeah. It's just amazing. It is, it is incredible. It's a phenomenal story. And a team like, a team like New England brought him in for a visit and didn't keep him. Uh, like that's, that's one that they will regret too. That's a, that's one, you know, I mentioned that Bill Belichick, nine times out of ten, you trust him, but, you know, one times out of ten, he'll make a mistake, and Terrell Pryor might be one of them, Jamie Collins might be another one, but in terms Imagine of... Imagine if he traded Jamie Collins for Terrell Pryor. That would have been... That. Would have been <laughs> fire, man. Would have been we amazing. It would have been amazing, but I agree. Terrell Pryor has been phenomenal. I was going to put him down as my most surprising player, but uh, seeing him down in your storyline, I decided to give some sh- love to Morris Claiborne. Uh... My worst storyline is the people that are blaming Kaepernick for the ratings drop. Um, I just find that just redundant. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. It's just so stupid. The fact that the ratings are dropping for a whole numerous reasons, and Colin Kaepernick is not one of them. Uh, the the reason they dropped is they had to drop. They were so damn high that naturally they had to regress. Like There's just no way possible. It's like Doug Baldwin last year could not possibly have that touchdown rate this year and that's proven to be true uh also having bad games in prime time that's part of the reason we've had chicago play in prime time twice this year that's ridiculous and it's stupid <laughs> it is stupid it's it is utterly ridiculous i don't know who decides these games or anything but yeah. it's it's frustrating they it's need, actually frustrating yeah they need to flex them out probably from like week four onwards i know it's the practical side of things about tickets and people booking hotels and dates and travel and all that sort of stuff. I, I get it. But if you want the ratings to be higher and you don't want to be complaining about it, then that's, that's the biggest issue is in terms of prime time. And it's tough to stay invested into a game that involves such as like the Chicago Minnesota game on Monday night was terrible. And when you're used to the, the, the thrill and the, the high of red zone where there's eight or nine games going at once and then you have to sit down for the slow burn of Minnesota-Chicago. You can't do it. It's like coming down off like 
I don't know, a high. It feels like you've gone from the, <laughs> the cocaine uh, of red zone to just wow. the paracetamol of a Monday Night Football. That was the worst analogy you've ever given on the Wooten Mike. Probably, so maybe this laugh. The red zone was cocaine. Paracetamol. I don't know. All right, anyway. I, I, look, I'm not no, into I drugs. Agree. I don't know I the variety. They should, look at, they should look at the teams that, you know, it looks like it could be a potential shootout. Even, even, even the Arizona-Seattle grinding game is still, you know, that is something that is what... That is still far more enjoyable than two teams stuttering around the field. That is a grinding game. That's yeah, like that's fine. Authentic, pure football, where you've got Minnesota and Chicago is just gross. Go, go get your know, like division rivals. Um, Put like the Packers you know, and Chargers. Falcons in prime time. That would have been great. That would have been great. It yeah. would have been great, but you know, yeah. the Eagles and Cowboys. That was, was the best thing all year. Yeah, that was phenomenal. Uh, all right, what's your been your best laugh out loud moment of the season so far? Hands down, the stupidness of the whole Tyrod Taylor lining up behind the left guard. Hey, Golden, put that was away. just insane. That's just something I'm still never ever going to forget, forgive him for. <laughs> See, like the whole butt fumble thing back in the day, that was just something. That was just a freak play. But the fact that Tyrod Taylor lined up behind the left guard and then hikes for the football and the center looks between yeah. his legs to no one and then still like oh. I think my favorite laugh out loud moment is you describing the moment because like I watched it uh, like I thought it was funny but you describing it now twice the second time of the podcast I laugh even more when you <laughs> explain it and your frustrations with it oh, no because it not, only, it not only frustrates me because it's something that you practice every single day multiple multiple times these people get paid millions and millions and millions of dollars to know a playbook inside out and the first thing you would learn is just where to stand. <laughs> I mean, Jared Hayne would have known where to stand. Just saying. Just saying. Wow. Uh, my love at that moment's just been this whole Gronk 69th touchdown tour. There's just been so many great sound drops involving Gronk uh, after he scored his 68th one, laughing like a 12-year-old boy um, about the number 69 and the giggle and, and calling a reporter baby and just the, the weirdest tone and then finally scoring it and, and not actually overly celebrating, then thanking his mum in the press conference or giving his mum a shout-out because she was proud of him for scoring his 69th career. <laughs> I know, that, that was really weird. Yeah. That was really and weird. Then the and, whole, and the whole game itself, uh, the 69th touchdown, Gronk 69th touchdown game, involved a, a marital aid being thrown onto the field. Um, that's the best way to put it, I guess. Uh, I could call it a... Yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the, no, the that rest was, kicking that, that off. Crazy. That was crazy. And the fact that... But see, like, so he called a reporter baby, right? Yep. Did he, is he going to get fined for that? No. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if he recorded a reporter. I think he just said it to the whole room. Like, you know what I'm talking about, baby, sort of thing. Like, he yeah, just, right. yeah, you, you couldn't see who imagine was actually... Imagine Brian Lara said that. But, yeah, oh, that's huge. Massive. Or, or Cam, imagine if Cam Newton said that. Uh, oh, would have been goodness. would have been just chaos. But the whole thing with the, yeah, the game and then the thing that was thrown onto the field and the refs didn't want to pick it up, so they were kicking it repeatedly off to the sideline. <laughs> oh, you probably shouldn't do that, but it was so funny. All right, last last topic is Super Bowl 51. Who who do we have in it? Uh, have you changed from your preseason prediction? Nope. Nope, it's still the same, I think. 
Seattle always manage to come good. They always come good. Their defense steps up at the right time, and they always find a way on offense to just, you know, plow away to a victory. So I think the Patriots, who just look odds on far and above beyond the best team in the league across all facets of their team, and you know, it's it's kind of a two horse race, I think, in the NFC. Yeah, I. Uh... I'm changing my tip from I, I did have the Steelers in the AFC in the preseason, uh, but look, the Steelers on their 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 best day, are, I think, are the only team that can beat the Patriots in the AFC. I, I apologise, Denver. I know you did it last year, but I just I can't see too many teams stopping this Patriots offense. The only way to beat them is to outscore them, and I you know, I can see this Steelers offensive Big Ben and Le'Veon and Antonio Brown are firing. That's the only way, but. At this point, the, the Patriots are so far above any other team in the AFC and the NFL, it's hard to not put them in your in your Super Bowl. So I have them, and I have them playing Green Bay. So I'm going to keep my other half of the of the Super Bowl the same. I think Rodgers played really well, and I think if they can just build on that and turn things around, I think they can be a team that can, in in a wide-open NFC, it's, it's really, really, really wide open at this point. Seattle, I think, will come good, and Dallas are looking really good, but if they... If Dallas go with Romo, that's a total different story because that's a whole different wild card because if he can play at his elite level, then that's a totally different story. But it's a wide-open NFC, which is entertaining because the AFC, I think, is a bit boring now. It's like, who who can beat the Patriots? Barely anybody. Who do you think, who do you think after how well the Cowboys have started, who do you think the rest of the team wants to be the quarterback? That that is a phenomenal question. Like I reckon, if you did an anonymous poll, I, I would be they, at least at least once a podcast. I just drop these questions, man. They should be they should be they're great. Um, they disrupt anyway. the flow of the podcast, but they're such great questions that like there's dead air because I'm trying to work out how to actually reply it and respond to these questions. If you did an anonymous poll of the locker room, like what what do you reckon the percentage would be? Like sixty forty for Dak. Yeah, you'd have your veterans like Whitman stuff who would back Romo. Yeah. But I think, you know, I think a lot of the players would be caught up with how well they're playing and they're mm. loving how they're feeling yeah. at this moment. And I feel like a lot of players wouldn't want to vote for Romo because it would be disheartening on Dak if the results came out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, oh, maybe, well, like, what more can I do? Like, what, what else do you want from me sort of thing? So it could be disastrous that way. So I feel like a lot of players and stuff would go with the incumbent. So... We'll wait and see how that pans out. But uh, last last one before we wrap up, just an overall summation of the season so far. How would you describe it? Um, there's been a lot of surprises, I think. A lot of surprises. Teams that we thought were going to go bad, <clears throat> that are going well. <laughs> and then, like, the Jags, who are sucking. But this happens every single year. But in regards to, like, actual, like, um, predictions and stuff, we've slowly started to turn around, but early on. Early on, it, we it had was a no mess. idea what was going on. Nah, no, no so, idea what was going yeah, on. We're, and we're, there's a lot of players, a lot of players that you know, not that we haven't heard of, that you know are making a name for themselves in the NFL, and a lot of you know players that are just bowing out. Like we 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 have no idea what's going to happen with Jamal Charles now that he's been hurt again. So on IR, yeah. So that's a whole other thing. We don't know where we'll ever see Jamal Charles again if it's at the Chiefs or he gets traded or released or whatever. Mm. So you know. It's uh, it's been a. I guess mine is is still a mystery because apart from the Patriots, it's hard to tell who's a good team in the NFL. I think it's still tough. There's a few teams that you think are still good, but it like wouldn't surprise you if they lose like two or three in a row, and you're suddenly questioning yourself again about about the said team. 
like for example, Buffalo went on a run, and now they've lost a couple in a row, and and the Ravens early on, and it's just so it's just been a mystery so far this season. I feel like we're still they're still venturing into the great unknown, but it's it's and, fun. And you know, we would we spoke before the season started, and we said we have no idea, like apart from say the top eight, top ten quarterbacks in the league, the rest of them are just you know there's like a good top ten quarterbacks. And then the rest. But this season, there's just been, you know, all the quarterbacks have been subpar, apart from, say, Matt Ryan and Tom Brady. Everyone else has had average years. Sorry, Dak. Dak. Dak's an exception <laughs> as well. But, yeah, everyone's just kind of been a bummer. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really weird. And it's not usually that way. It's usually a supporting cast letting them down. Yep. And, I mean, that does still happen. But there's been so many questions and marks about so many quarterbacks. You've got, you've got Big Ben being hurt again. Then you've got the whole Romo situation. You've got Aaron Rodgers playing weird. Then you've got Andrew you've Luck getting got, hammered every week. Yeah, him getting hammered every week. Bortles playing disastrous. And then you've got your hot and cold quarterbacks like Mariota. And, you know, Eli, we don't, we don't know how he's going to go, even though there was high expectations. It's just a complete shambles, mm. the NFL. And then you've got all your your Goodell stuff, and everyone hates him still. So that hasn't changed. I miss Peyton Manning. I just want to say that. Like at least you knew what you were going to get. It's like him and Brady. You knew, but now it's like so many things are so unknown. It's uh, yeah. Anyway, all right. That wraps up the show. It's a very long show, but it's the mid-season review, and we had a lot to get to. So I hope you enjoyed our predictions. If you have some of your own predictions, please tweet us at Wooten Y Show or just at Wooten Y. But uh, that's our Twitter handle. Wow. 150 episodes, it's the first time I've stuffed up our Twitter handle. Uh, but yeah, give us a tweet. Let us know what you think about our predictions and our uh, awards and whatnot, and maybe offer some of your own ideas. And as always, you can follow me. Josh, on... yep. who's going to win, Falcons or the Bucks? Oh yeah, Thursday Night Football. Wow. Um, I'll go with the Falcons. I'll look up the line right now for you. I can't believe I forgot about that again. This is a, this is a, we have so much on that this is happening. What's your thoughts on the game? The lines, on the, game. the lines only three and a half. Three and a half. I that kind of baffles me a bit. Mm. It it baffles me a little bit, but I I, I can see why because Thursday night football normally favors the home team so heavily. At the, at the same time, by the way, I'm looking at an app because it was just the fastest way I could get to the game. So the last five games, the last it says the last five for Tampa Bay. They've won two, lost three. I'm not sure if that's even correct, right? And then it shows you the last five for Atlanta. One, five, lost three. So that's eight. So this app is broken. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Get off that app. Yeah, get off that app and just retire. But no, this, this, yeah, it baffles me. I understand what that, like like you said, the home team generally does get a big boost and things like that. But come on, the Falcons just beat Green Bay. Like, come on, on, man. Tampa Bay are beat up. Um, Jameis Winston's sort of gone through a little bit of a slump. You mentioned the inconsistency of quarterbacks. Some weeks Jameis looks so good and you're so excited about it. And then other weeks he's just consistently overthrowing an open Mike Evans and, and just not having that killer instinct to finish a game. They they could have put that game away against uh, Derek Carr and the Raiders. with all, like Even though they were severely outplayed and outgained in yardage and whatnot, the penalties of the Raiders really helped Tampa Bay get back in that game. I just think... Atlanta are a much better team. They're five and three against the spread. Uh, I'm taking Atlanta. You know, Tampa Bay three and four against the spread. Three and a half is 
if it gets to around a field goal, that's I'll jump on that all day. Uh, even at three and a half, I think I'll jump on Atlanta. Get on that. Yeah, me too. Atlanta, Atlanta right. for days. Well done. Thank you for reminding me about uh, Thursday night football, man. So, uh, same. That's my, all right. Same I was my... just thinking about our predictions. Do you know how we went last week or not? Um, we did. Uh, you went six and seven. I went seven and six. So uh, it you was jumped a... out again. Pardon? Oh. Yeah, I'm I'm two in front now. But uh, it was it. tough. There's a couple of couple of those games like Tampa Bay and Oakland was a pick 'em, and it goes to overtime. So really, like. It's it should be a push, but because Oakland win by a certain amount of points in overtime, then the game is over. Um, and then I got lucky with I took the team with the points in that draw, so that helped me get those uh, that that extra point on you. But uh, yeah, as always, our uh, our odds are brought to you by William Hill. So uh, please head to William Hill, gamble responsibly. Three and a half at a dollar ninety one there with them plus three and a half for Tampa Bay at a dollar ninety one. As I said before, Josh correctly interrupted me. You can follow the show on. Twitter at Wootenwire. You can follow me at JYNFL. You can follow me at, at Woot, etc. And you can listen to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Wooshka, Radio Hub, and TuneIn Radio. Please give us an iTunes review and give us a like on Facebook. We are at The Woot and Y Show, and you can check us out there. Peace out. Bye, guys. <laughs>